Hi everyone, this is NBC10 Boston's Countdown to Decision 2022, where we break down the biggest political news leading up to election day. We're just four days out. I'm your host, Mary Marcos. I'm here with our political reporter, Allison King, and our guest today, Gene Hardigan, the former executive director of the Mass GOP. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. So today we're talking about looking at whether Massachusetts could become a one-party state. There are only three Republicans in the Senate and 28 in the House. Polls are suggesting that not one of the constitutional officers will be a Republican come November 8th. So, Gene, can you tell us what this means for the future of the Republican Party? Well, I think the first thing the Republican Party has to do in Massachusetts is get rid of this um, this mess of people, that's all I can call them, who are um, trying to espouse Trumpism in Massachusetts, which is not going to play. Um, and it's not playing a lot of other parts of the country. But I just think that we need we need leadership that's on the same page as Charlie Baker was in, in dealing with issues and dealing with problems. We need a centrist, someone who's pragmatic, who understands the lay of the land, which is why Charlie Baker is still the most popular governor in the United States, because he approached situations and problems uh, in a logical way. Um, he had the benefit of being uh, in administration and finance under the Weld administration. And, and he's a walk. He understands the nuts and bolts of how things work. Um, but we have to get away from this radical right-wing silliness. It's, it's no better than if you have extreme left-wing politics it just doesn't work. The majority of the people don't want it. Um, they like, as I do, some of the issues that Donald Trump brought to the fore. But uh, he, as a leader, just was shameful. Um, and um, I don't see him winning the nomination in, in 2024. Um, he's obviously able to gather 20%, 25% of the people in various states to get candidates elected who still claim that the election was stolen, um, you know, they have to come to grips with the fact that Joseph Biden is the president of the United States. He was elected lawfully. And the people who ran the campaigns in the states where they're contesting or saying they were stolen were all Republicans who did their job and did it well. And then when they weren't happy with what they did and what they said, they then went after them personally. This has to stop. Gina and Allison, did you have anything? You, I want to give you a chance to jump in if you want. Well, you know, this whole notion of um, Massachusetts sort of becoming a one-party state is something we've talked about, and you know, I've talked about it with Gene for a couple of decades. Um, as I recall, this is about as low numbers. I believe in the legislature and Mary, do you by chance have these off the top of your head that we have how many in the house and Senate? I am. I'm trying to remember. It's yes. Republicans, Thank you. 28, 28 Republicans in the house and three in the Senate. I'm not sure it's been much lower than that. There was a period in the nineties where, when, when Bill Weld came in big popular, you know, kind of came in with a, um, a mandate really. And he also brought in a lot of Republicans with him into the house. And there was this 
what we thought of as a spike back then. You remember this, Gene? You might have even been the executive director back then, but um, it, it was still low numbers. But it seemed like a wow, that we're moving in a new direction here. Actually, I'd be curious to know, Gene. Do you was there a lot of optimism back then for the party? And it was because we had enough senators that we could uh, veto and get a roll call vote, and and that was great to do. The only problem is, again, some of these folks went off on a tangent because they thought they were bigger than life and more important than they really were. And as a result, in the next election, a lot of them got wiped out. But but the thing is, you have to understand who the voters are. And the voters in Massachusetts tend to be moderate, moderate conservative in the independent range and moderate liberal. And it depends on what part of the state you're in. But the issues that drive elections in, in, in any cycle, in any cycle in any state, are pocketbook issues. Now, this time around, Jeff Deal, who I know, nice guy, but, you know, he took on a losing battle if he was going to take on Charlie Baker. And then when Baker was out, the problem is that he tied himself to Donald Trump. And, and that doesn't play well here. Not enough to win. Um, most of the state office holders, when they win in Massachusetts, most of the congressional members, when they win, usually Democrats have somewhere between 60 and 69%. And then the remainder goes to a Republican. And if you look back to the days when Peter Torkelson, who I ran his campaign, and, and Peter Blute, who won, that's because... The issues they talked about were issues that people identified with. They were bread and butter issues, and 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 they scored. They didn't win by huge margins, but they won, and they served a couple of terms in office. But then, when when Bill Clinton came along, Bill Clinton pulled a lot of people over the finish line in Massachusetts. And the worst thing that's going to happen in January is that you're going to have a majority in the House that's Republican. I don't see anything in any of the polling data, any of the reviews, any of the tracking I've done that shows the Democrats holding onto the House. I see you're you talking on the federal level. In the federal level, 20 and 25 flipping. But the reason I bring that up is that we are going to have a state full of elected Democrats. And we are going to be backbenchers when it comes to getting any kind of support in the House because <clears throat> we spent a year with all kinds of investigations by the Dems. We're going to spend the next year all kinds of investigations by the Republicans. Not that they're needed, but they will happen. You know what, before we just, I want to correct something. It's actually 27 Republicans in the House, one independent, just to clear up the record. Go ahead, Allison. Well, um, what was I going to say? Uh, just so that basically, I, I just, I, you know, I actually just asked Maura Healy, um, our Democratic candidate for governor here in Massachusetts, um, about this very issue. I said, you know, we're we're on this track where we already have all these Democrat, all Democratic statewide office holders. The House and Senate keeps going a little bit more and a little bit more Democratic. I said, in a perfect world, would you love it to be all democratic? Would that be the ideal thing? 
or do you feel like the demo democratic sort of basis of our country and, and what you know calls for a robust Republican Party that can kind of push back and check and balance? And I'm not suggesting she might want to put Trumpy Republicans in there, but you know, does she bemoan kind of the fact that the Republican Party is not providing that? And, you know, she didn't really directly answer the question, but kind of more talked about she doesn't care what party people come from, but she doesn't, you know, not wanting to put people that, that the, the person and what their priorities are come first. So if they're really in it for the right reasons, she doesn't really care what party, blah, blah, blah. The bottom line is there's a couple of issues in this state that have just proven over and over again to be non-starters for Republicans. And one of them is the abortion issue. If you're pro-life in this state, it's gonna get, it's gonna help you a lot in Texas. It'll help you in Kansas, although maybe not in Kansas these days. I don't know, but it's not gonna help you in Massachusetts. And some candidates double down on it more than others. Some of them, you know, I think people are fine if people talk about being pro-life, but they feel like, um, you know, I mean, what what people try to say is I'm pro-life, but I want to let the state remain you know, well, we're not going to change anything. That's kind of a land that that's fraught with landmines too. But the bottom line is of that. And the Trump issue is just really hard in this state, you know, to get past. So until to Jean's point, until you get someone in there who can sort of, you know, move past those issues and track on a more moderate path, like a Charlie Baker has, I don't really see the Republican party in this state having a big explosion or growth year. But then the Republican Party rejects that, right? They had that. They had they had Charlie Baker, the most popular governor for how long in the nation, and he likely wouldn't have made it through the primary. So where does that leave the Republican Party, right? Shouldn't there it, it's it's hurting itself in a sense, Gene? Well, first off, as Allison points out, the abortion issue. I mean, from a personal standpoint, as someone who has a wife, two daughters, and a granddaughter, uh, and a, and her cat that's a female as well, um, I think that politicians, and especially Republicans, who used to live by the credo that stay out of my bedroom, stay out of my pocket. And so now certain groups have become radicalized that they've tried to make the abortion issue one that they can run on. They have, they have no right making that an issue. No one has the right to tell a woman what they can do. And that's between her and a doctor. I will say this one caveat on that. And that is, I think the extreme would be to allow for late term abortions. That should be the only thing, the only thing that anyone tries to mandate into law <clears throat> for the obvious reasons. But the other thing is gay rights. And, you know, I, I thought we had got past that, but I guess we still have problems with that. But that's something that, that shouldn't be on anyone's agenda in either party, because people have a right to live their life and, and the Constitution protects that. So those two issues should be off the table. Republicans need to focus on financial and budgetary issues and, and how business is allowed to run its life in a state. And so when you see the House trying to hold back money that's supposed to come back by law to the people out here who pay taxes, that's that's wrong. 
but no one has tried to tie anyone to that. And the second thing was um, illegal aliens coming into the state and passing a law that we're gonna give you a driver's license and then claim that, well, by giving them a driver's license, the streets are gonna be safer. Excuse me, they don't belong here. You either bring them in legitimately through the system, but you don't bring them across the border and then let them go and say, I, we, we'll see you in three months. They're not coming back to court. So Republicans have to understand they've got to have issues that people can deal with, can understand. And right now, on a national level, it's the economy. As Bill Clinton said, it's the economy, stupid. And that's why some of these races are falling the way they are. In Massachusetts, you're not going to see a vibrant Republican Party until you get leadership at the party level that recruits people to run who run on those issues, not on extreme issues. Do you think there's been a gradual shift in the leadership style toward that? Like when when can you pinpoint when that started to change? Jim when he became chairman of the party, this thing just went downhill. And, you know, he's entitled to his beliefs. But when when he tries to enforce those and preach the gospel of ultra-conservatism in Massachusetts, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of people's money to support anything like that. There is one candidate running who's running for auditor, Amore, who has a chance of winning <clears throat> And that's the support of Charlie Baker, the only one who does. And and that would be that would be good for the state if he won, because then you would have someone from the opposition being able to keep track of what the Democrats are doing. Other than that, they're going to own everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Gene. Just keeping away from the the social issues just are non-starters. Maybe some decade it'll turn around, but it's that right now that this is not the era for that. And there are issues that, as Jean pointed out, independence, conservative leaning, which there are many of them um, around the state, would very much be on board with whether, you know, fiscal issues and the immigration issue. There's a lot of people who, um, you know, feel like there's, um, you know, to the point of the driver's license issue. Um, so there are, it's not that there aren't issues. It's just that I think that a lot of Republicans have been kind of choosing the wrong ones to, to double down on. Well, I think they, they look at <clears throat> what's out there and they're energized by what some of Donald Trump says. And some of what he says is true. But at the same time, you have to look, beyond the surface and see what motivates people like him to do things. Um, you know, Donald Trump's about Donald Trump. And I don't, I don't believe that he believes anything he says. I think he's always trying to help himself. And I think he faces a myriad of problems over the next year or two uh, in the courts that are going to put him in a very bad position. And if that doesn't bring him down, the governor of uh, Florida is going to be taking him on, which means they'll be vying for the same vote. And you're going to have somebody else that maybe can sneak through and, and show some leadership. We don't have any statesmen or stateswomen left anymore. They're all backbenchers. They, they, and they don't dare to come out because 
of the kind of things that you see that happen to Nancy Pelosi's husband or, or to some Republicans where they're threatened by being poll workers and doing the right thing. This, this, is, this is really sad. I, I can't believe we're seeing all this and seeing at the level that we're seeing it. Uh, luckily here in Massachusetts, for all of its poor Republican politics, it's been very civil and at least most of it's been civil. So I appreciate that. I think that both uh, the Attorney General and Jeff Deal have run um, civil campaigns. Um, and I think in some other states, they've not been like that. But uh, the Attorney General comes in with, with a favorable reputation. I don't see her being um, a mover and shaker over the next couple of years. I think she's gonna feel her way and she will be vying for power with the House Speaker and the Senate President, which is always the case when you have Democrats in control of everything. Um, so, um, you know, it remains to be seen what happens. And, you know, if, if, if you only have to look back to Deval Patrick for the last time we had a fully Democratic House Senate executive, um, and he didn't do, he had a tough time. He, he might have had a tougher time than Charlie Baker in some respects, uh, because it does become sort of a power play over there. But um, that'll be interesting for sure if Maura Healy wins this. Gene, walk me through something. Why can't the Massachusetts Republican Party help it help itself? You know, you just said we, we talked about social ideas and how it would be wise for the Massachusetts GOP to sort of steer clear of their, those and focus on the financial uh, issues and other issues you guys just named um, to uh, to make changes that they want to see in Massachusetts. Like what what is happening within the party that's preventing it from recognizing, OK, these are these are our beliefs. But, you know, this is also the reality of the state that we live in. And so we're going to put our focus on these areas where we think we can find middle ground with the Democratic Party and make actual progress? Like, what is preventing them from finding that unity and putting those differences aside to actually get, like, make some change, right? Find some area where they can, get, you know, make make meaningful change in whatever way that, that they're able to. Well, I think to understand... <clears throat> some of the problems you have to understand the structure and there are 80 people who are elected 40 men 40 women who are elected every presidential year in the presidential primary and those represent um one female one male in each of the 40 senatorial districts in massachusetts so what has happened in the last couple of runs is that um jim lyons put together an organization that was able to go out and appeal to more conservative people using the whole mantra of Donald Trump and, and brought on enough people, won by I think only two votes, but he controls the voting apparatus within the party. The second thing is that unlike the Democrats, and I grew up a Democrat in Boston um, before I changed parties and now I've changed again. I'm an independent because of Donald Trump, but Democrats understand that you go out and you win the election 
then you make the changes and you voice what you want to do. The Republicans go out and voice their anger in advance and lose sight of what they have to do, and that's winning the election. Because if you're not in office, you don't make the changes. You look at people like Bruce Tarr, the, the minority leader in the Senate. He's a very pragmatic, smart lawyer who has been in the Senate for a long time, <clears throat> knows his district, knows how to deal with the people, and has had some tough challenges from the Democratic side, but he understands what makes it tick and he built a great reputation with them up there. That's the difference with, with some of the other people who get out there and, and punch, 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 but, but they, lose, they lose sight of what's really important. You have to take three issues when you run, no more, just three issues. And they have to be issues that the people are looking at, not what you're looking at, not what you believe in, it's what they believe in. And then sometimes in the House races, it's about good old fashioned shoe leather. And that is going door to door, talking to people, answering their questions, <clears throat> because people want to know who you are, what you're doing. And, and so you have to go and do that until they get back to that system of going out, meeting people and, and doing issues from the top. Um, and most important, not fighting the leader of your state. I mean, all they've done is picked on Charlie Baker while he's been in office. Well, and people like Charlie Baker. So if, if everyone's beating up Charlie, but everybody loves him, they're saying, well, these people can't be very good. I don't want to support them. Yeah. Yeah, that's the craziest part of it is that, you know, Charlie is the most popular governor in the country. And his own party wants no part of him. And in fact, is very sort of antagonistic toward him. And of course, they'll say that's because he's not a Republican. They'll right. say you know, he's call a him rhino, Republican right. in name only. Well, rhinos, I'm a rhino, or I was a rhino, because you have to be pragmatic about what you're doing. And you have to look at issues that you can make a difference on. <clears throat> you know, the Republican Party is not going to pass a national referendum on abortion. The state of Massachusetts is not going to do a prohibition on abortion. So, you know, folks, listen up, smarten up. Those are not your issues. And you're not going to, uh, of all states, Massachusetts, which has a sizable gay and lesbian population, you're not going to turn upside down the state and start doing prohibitions on that. It's just not going to happen. The better thing to do is figure out how everyone can coexist and work together because having a chip on your shoulder, whether it's a minority chip or, or a gay and lesbian chip doesn't work. And being a white person with a chip on your shoulder is not going to help either. You know, it's, you got to get to the table, sit down and make it work for everyone. That's the only way it moves forward economically and socially. So what does it mean for the state if the Republicans lose, you know, they don't gain any, you know, they don't have any, hold any power within the state. What happens if, if, if Massachusetts doesn't become well, a majority just, state that way? We just kind of meander along as we've done many times before. I do think in talking to people that the GOP will pick up some Senate seats, state Senate seats, um, people who have gone out and really pushed the issue of uh, licenses for illegals. 
I, I think that has some traction in certain areas of the state. Um, the House, for those that are doing the same, I think it makes a difference. Uh, the budget issues, uh, if they can point out that total control of the House and Senate is not sending money back to them. Um, I, I think those are issues that sell well. I haven't heard a lot. I haven't seen a lot. <clears throat> so I don't know how effective it's been. And then it comes to turnout. You know, some people feel that the attorney general is at risk because a lot of people won't turn out for a vote. I don't believe that. The Democrats pull out machine is very strong. Um, they know how to go in, bring people to the polls, buy them lunch, do what they have to do to get them to the polls and get them home. And, and they'll do it again. Um, and the delegation, uh, members of the congressional delegation will be out working for local candidates as well. Um, so um, with the exception of Amore running for auditor, I don't see any other race where there's gonna be a close race um, that a Republican go in on, on a state level. Do you think that the party needs to embrace, or maybe the Republicans of Massachusetts might need to sort of reclaim the, the sort of the title of Rhino and, you know, like kind of any, we just did an episode on third parties in Massachusetts. Like what's the answer here? Do the Republicans who, have who are sort of more moderate like create their own party can they regain sort of that unity with the more conservative republicans in the state like i mean I part of that problem i don't see it in the short term no um because the trump factor is still driving 20 percent of the vote within the party and uh, uh you know allison you're out and about all the time <clears throat> don't you still see that that trump factor strong the people who are running the show, 100%. They, you know, the people who are really the party leaders right now, that's all about, and, and you know, I guess probably half the committee is now, you know, it's kind of a half and half kind of thing. But, you know, I guess what I'd really love to know is if you took all the Republicans in the state um, or the Republican leaning, you know, how many people are really part of, of the, are, are a Gene Hardigan kind of Republican and wish it were back that way again and could get involved in, and um, active in that? Or is there no appetite for that? I haven't fully figured that out myself. I'm trying to sort of get a hold on, if you looked at that, the party in the state, where really does it fall? I do think there are independents, you know, there are people who think just as the right has gone very far to a lot of people say extremes, they say this, the, you know, the Democrats have done the same thing, and that's not anything that's palatable to them either. They don't want the, you know. So, I feel like it's such a crazy time we're in right now, and that's part of the reason everyone wants no part of politics. You know, I think so many people can't find their place these days. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the current numbers for registered Republicans in Massachusetts is nine or ten percent. It's nine percent. Nine percent. Yeah. So. But the majority of the registered voters in Massachusetts are unenrolled voters. And unenrolled voters traditionally profile as people who are worried about fiscal issues and government staying out of their house. So whether it be former Democrats or former Republicans, 
it's it's the issues that drive it. And remember, Ronald Reagan won the presidency twice in Massachusetts. He won Massachusetts twice. And so, but he projected issues that people could listen to. He got the blue collar vote because they were bread and butter issues. And right now, if you're a Republican and and your world is Donald Trump had his election stolen from him, those people, those moderates that are on a roll are not going to listen to that because they don't believe it. And, uh, you know, I, <clears throat> I know a lot of people who still believe that happened, and I respect them as they're very bright people, but I do not see any indicators in any state <clears throat> that show that race was stolen. And as I pointed out, they're Republicans who controlled the process. So, uh, but it amazes me to look around the country and see the numbers of people who still claim this, who are leading in the polls. And I scratch my head. I don't understand it, but I think that's just anger. And so these people have become a vehicle to vent. Um, and let's hope enough of them vote for Mr. Moray and vent to vote one, at least one Republican in, in, in the state office. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? We're, we're just about out of time. Well, I would just say that uh, I, uh, I think that the attorney general will be the next governor of Massachusetts. I wish you well. I wish us all well. Um, and I think any of our uh, constitutional officers um, who perform will continue to perform, even if they lose uh, their place um, in, the, in the majority party. But I think you're going to see a flip in the House by 2025. And right now, the snapshot today, I would say the Senate would be 53-47 Republican. Not sure that's a good thing, but and if those numbers continue to tick down, what I'll be looking for is, you know, who's going to step forward and and in the Republican Party and say, guys, this and women, sure. this isn't working, and we need to figure out how to right the ship. I'm, I'm worried about that. I'm worried about that. But I, you know, I hope I hope there's enough of a defeat in the state of Massachusetts so that people in the, the next time around vote out um, Jim Lyons. Well, I guess we'll find out, right? We'll find out next week. Yes, we will. Well, thank you so much, Gene Hardigan. We're out of time, but we appreciate you joining us today. My pleasure.